Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's no secret that it's been quite the battle in court between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. I've been watching the case throughout the last couple weeks. I haven't watched it in its entirety yet because of time constraints. However, I've caught up what I can. And I had wondered when it first started. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. How the heck did this all begin? And it dates back to an op-ed piece written in 2018 in the Washington Post by Amber Heard. Or at least it has her name on it. So what is an op-ed article? An op-ed stands for opposite the editorial page and it's different than the news. It's an article where the author gives their opinion and is encouraged to give their opinion about a certain topic and it's often said to you know, persuade the reader. I pulled an op-ed guideline from a school and it said an op-ed or opinion editorial is a narrative essay that presents the writer's opinion or thoughts about an issue. Op-eds can raise awareness about a particular topic or aim to persuade others and can substantiate the writer as an expert on a subject. It says op-eds are most commonly published in daily newspapers. There are typically 600 to 700 words but can be shorter. Amber's article was 775 words. Some op-eds are written by newspaper staff or syndicated writers. Many are submitted by the publication's readers. Now what's interesting about this piece, among so many other things, was that it was ghostwritten but had Amber Heard's name on it. Now I do wonder, and I have yet to find this, so if you know this information, please let me know below, but I would like to see the actual original article that Amber actually wrote and then submitted to them and then they ghostwrite it or rewrite uh, the original. Have yet to hear about that, which is interesting. I would think that would be in court, unless it was just a bunch of notes. Still, I would like to see it. What do you think? Let me know. Once this article was posted in the Washington Post, which was December 18th, 2018, just a week before Christmas, Johnny catches wind, he sees it, and he sues Amber for defamation and money lost. Now, he claims that the accusations in this article made him lose his role as Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. And also it said it made him a Hollywood outcast. He hasn't made a movie since. And it was estimated that it was $43 million in loss of income from December 2018 to October 2020. And that was said in court by a forensic accountant. Just prior to all this, it was spring of 2018, there was actually 
actually a libel lawsuit by Johnny Depp to The Sun in the UK where it called him a wife beater. And he actually lost that lawsuit. Johnny Depp ended up being removed from the Fantastic Beast franchise by Warner Brothers after he lost this libel case. This was also at a time where they were going through a bitter divorce. So the case is being heard in Virginia. And in order for Johnny's case to be successful, he needs to show that he was falsely accused. He also needs to show that that op-ed piece and only that op-ed piece caused the issues and damages to his career and to his life. So they were going through a bitter divorce in 2016 and in the London courts where he lost a lawsuit, it was said that domestic violence allegations was true or substantially true against Johnny Depp. Now I'll get to that more in a minute. So back to this op-ed and how it was written. In the creation of this article, the ACLU, which stands for the American Civil Liberties Union, helped draft the article and shop it around to Washington Post, New York Times, Teen Vogue, and USA Today. Amber's lawyers also went through it to edit it out and edited bits pertaining to the marriage and their relationship. But this piece was timed so that it would be near the premiere of Aquaman, which is the movie that Amber appeared in. And in fact, the premiere was six days before the launch of this article. In an email, it said, the goal is to get this out this week to capitalize on the tremendous campaign for Aquaman. Now, Amber wanted a section to go back in the article to talk about her relationship with Johnny, because remember, the lawyers edited it. Now, Johnny and Amber were only married for 18 months from February of 2015 to the end of 2016. And then in early January, uh, she got the divorce. So just shy of two years, they were married. Now, eight months before the op-ed came out, that's where the article came out from the UK calling Johnny a wife beater and then came that op-ed. During the time of this op-ed, Johnny Depp was promoting his movie, Alice Through the Looking Glass. So now let's dive in bit by bit by this op-ed. In the Washington Post, it, the title states, Opinion Amber Heard, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change. Now, this title alone was argued in court. They said the title was insinuating that it was referring to Johnny Depp. And it was also argued that the title wasn't written by Amber, so therefore she's not responsible for it. The Washington Post is. But the prosecution fought back saying, okay, wait a minute, her name is on it, therefore she accepts the entirety of it, including the title. Let me know your thoughts below. Also, it was argued that she tweeted the article out, therefore accepting all responsibility of it. Back to the article. Amber Heard is an actress and ambassador on women's rights at the American Civil Liberties Union. Now, Amber was announced as an ambassador for the ACLU in December 2018, which is around the time this op-ed was published. The ACLU and the LA Children's Hospital were two organizations that Amber pledged that she would donate her $7 million divorce settlement to. 50% was to go to ACLU and the other 50% to the Children's Hospital, which is $3.5 million each. And she donated $1.3 million out of that $3.5 to the ACLU and zero to the Children's Hospital. And of that $1.3 million, uh, it wasn't entirely her money either. One payment came from her, which was $350,000 in August of 2016. And according to several sources, she lied about the money and said she did pay the entire amount, but she did not. 
And in fact, she still has an outstanding balance. Now, Elon Musk, who she dated after Johnny Depp, he donated $500,000. And also in court, it stated that Johnny donated $100,000 to each charity as part of the divorce settlement and give it to the charities in her name. Back to the article, there were emails back and forth that also says if she feels comfortable, she could interweave her personal story. It also says by an ACLU member who was writing this draft said, I tried to gather your fire and rage and really interesting analysis and shape that into an op-ed form. Let's read the article. It says, I was exposed to abuse at a very young age. I knew certain things early on without ever having to be told. I knew that men have the power physically, socially, and financially, and that a lot of institutions support that arrangement. I knew this long before I had the words to articulate it, and I bet you learned it young too. Like many women, I had been harassed and sexually assaulted by the time I was of college age, but I kept quiet. I did not expect filing complaints to bring justice, and I didn't see myself as a victim. Then two years ago, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse, and I felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. Now, this two years ago that she was talking about is that 2016 time where they were going through this nasty divorce. And she had threatened Johnny that she's going to do a restraining order, which she did end up doing, um, if he refused to financially support her after she filed for divorce. What's interesting here, in May 2016, she listed a series of demands that she wanted Johnny to fulfill during the divorce. And she wanted to do it so that it would keep this matter out of the spotlight. Now, part of these demands was that she wanted the $7 million to be paid to her, as well as $500,000 to pay for her lawyers, taxes, and all the bills uh, for their joint assets. There was also a $160,000 wine bill, and I was reading that their bill when they were together was like $30,000 a month just in wine alone. And that Amber really liked this one brand of wine that was $500 a pop. Now she also wanted $100,000 for her legal and accounting fees and that she wanted the black Range Rover that she would continue to have exclusive use and possession of and he would continue making payments for this. Also, she wanted to live rent-free in three of the Los Angeles uh, penthouses and she also wanted the divorce case fees to be split evenly and um, that it would be assigned to a private retired judge. So what happened was there was an argument and she said that Johnny hit her with a phone. And Amber's attorney wrote in a letter, although Amber is afraid of Johnny, she strongly insists that we do everything possible to keep this personal matter out of the media spotlight, which is why she has not yet sought a DVTRO and why we did not arrange for Johnny to have been personally served at last night's movie premiere, which is Alice Through the Looking Glass. So. The allegation was that Johnny violently attacked and threatened Amber and that the attack was not the first of its kind and not the first of domestic violence perpetrated by Johnny against Amber. It says there's two other incidents also in the last six months, but Amber went for this restraining order and it showed photographic evidence of a bruise on her face following this fight. And there's been a lot of chitter chatter about that and talk about in court how this wasn't actually a bruise, this was, you know, made up and um, they're going through all that right now.
Also in this fight, it talks about there being broken bottles, picture frames, and shattered glass all over the floor. She says that Johnny began obsessing over something that wasn't true, became extremely angry, and then threw the cell phone at Amber, striking her in the face and the cheek and the eye with extreme force. So once the judge saw it, he granted this temporary restraining order, but Johnny denied these allegations of abuse. And in court, we heard many, many instances of altercations between Johnny and Amber. And we've heard, again, I haven't seen the entirety of this case yet, but from what I've heard, I've heard both sides with the verbal abuse. I've heard so far Amber admitting to hitting Johnny. And so there's been a lot of that. It basically shows the dysfunction in the relationship and the breakdown of the relationship. So once they had the divorce settlement dealt with, they said in a joint statement that they had a volatile relationship. It says, our relationship was intensely passionate and at times volatile, but always bound by love. Neither party has made false accusations for financial gain. There was never any intent of physical or emotional harm. Also, Amber said that Johnny pulled her hair, screamed at her and repeatedly hit her and also violently grabbed her face. And she said during that time, Johnny was high and drunk. Now, I found a quote by Johnny's ex, her name's Vanessa, and she supported Johnny. She said, in all the years I've known Johnny, he has never been physically abusive with me, and this looks nothing like the man I lived with for 14 wonderful years. I've seen in other reports that it was said between Johnny and Vanessa that there was, you know, verbal abuse, but never physical abuse. I don't know the details in that. I just read that there was chitter chatter around that. Now back to the op-ed, Amber actually wanted to artfully reinsert uh, sections about the temporary restraining order in the op-ed, but she said if it wasn't possible, that'd be okay too. Now this to me shows intention that she wanted to speak out about Johnny because this is the whole thing. She's saying, you know, it's not about Johnny, but here we go that this is to me is the intention that she wanted to put it back in. She wanted to talk about him. Let me know with a heck yeah below or a heck no. It goes on to say, friends and advisors told me I would never again work as an actress, that I would be blacklisted. A movie I was attached to recast my role. I had just shot a two-year campaign as the face of a global fashion brand and the company dropped me. Questions arose as to whether I would be able to keep my role of Mira in the movies Justice League and Aquaman. So the global fashion brand was L'Oreal from my understanding. What's interesting as of the time of this recording, there's a petition going around to have Amber Heard removed from Aquaman 2. And the petition is at 3.5 million just over and they want 4.5 million uh, signatures. So the time of this recording is 3.5. I'll leave the link below so you can check that out. She goes on to say, I had the rare vantage point of seeing in real time how institutions protect men accused of abuse. She says, imagine a powerful man as a ship like the Titanic. That ship is a huge enterprise. When it strikes an iceberg, there are a lot of people on board desperate to patch up holes, not because they believe in or even care about the ship, but because their own fates depend on the enterprise. So my question is, do you think this one paragraph is about Johnny, that he's the ship? 
let me know below. In recent years, the Me Too movement has taught us about how power like this works, not just in Hollywood, but in all kinds of institutions workplaces, places of worship, or simply in particular communities. In every walk of life, women are confronting these men who are buoyed by social, economic, and cultural power. And these institutions are beginning to change. Now, the original Me Too movement started in 2006. It was meant to empower women through empathy, especially young and vulnerable women. In October 2017, Alyssa Milano actually encourage people to use this hashtag me too to you know out the problems that women face or people face with sexual harassment and assault her post on twitter said if all the women who have been sexually harassed or assaulted wrote me too as a status we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem and then became the wave that it did and other celebrities also responded with Gwyneth Paltrow, Ashley Judd, Jennifer Lawrence and Uma Thurman and tons of people. We've seen it also in cases like Vanessa Guillen case uh, where that was a, a major problem in the army and also this showed with the Me Too movement as well. I have videos on the case as well. She says, we are in a transformative political movement. The president of our country has been accused by more than a dozen women of sexual misconduct, including assault and harassment. 2018, when this is written, this is about Donald Trump. Outrage over his statements and behavior has energized a female-led opposition. Me Too started a conversation about just how profoundly sexual violence affects women in every area of our lives. And last month, more women were elected to Congress than ever in our history with a mandate to take women's issues seriously. Women's rage and determination to end sexual violence are turning into a political force. We have an opening now to bolster and build institutions protective of women. For starters, Congress can reauthorize and strengthen the violence against women Act. First passed in 1994, the Act is one of the most effective pieces of legislation enacted to fight domestic violence and sexual assault. It creates support systems for people who report abuse and provides funding for rape crisis centers, legal assistance programs, and other critical services. It improves responses by law enforcement and it prohibits discrimination against LGBTQ survivors. Funding for the act expired in September and has only been temporarily extended. Now, March of this year, it was actually renewed. And a deputy attorney actually made comments about this renewal and said, our government has a moral obligation to protect its citizens. And when it falls short in that effort, we must listen to those who we have let down to better understand where we can improve. Survivors who come forward to report abuse must be met with competent and compassionate professionals who have the resources, training, and institutional support to do their jobs. At OVW, we're honored to do this work. We are lifelong advocates and survivors. We are committed to ending domestic and sexual violence and stalking, and we could not be more excited about the passage of VAWA 2022. Back to the op-ed. We should continue to fight sexual assault on college campuses while simultaneously insisting on fair processes for adjudicating complaints. Last month, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos proposed changes to Title IX rules governing the treatment of sexual harassment and assault in schools. While some changes would make the process for handling complaints more fair, others would weaken protections for sexual assault survivors. For example, the new rules would require schools to investigate only the most extreme complaints and then only when they are made to designated officials. Women on campuses already have trouble coming forward about sexual violence. Why would we allow institutions to scale back supports? I write this as a woman who had 
to change my phone number weekly because I was getting death threats. For months, I rarely left my apartment, and when I did, I was pursued by camera drones and photographers on foot, on motorcycles, and in cars. Tabloid outlets that posted pictures of me spun them in a negative light. I felt as though I was on trial in the court of public opinion, and my life and livelihood depended on myriad judgments far beyond my control. Now, there were tabloid pictures all over the place in 2016 when this all first started about the domestic violence allegations. I want to ensure that women who come forward to talk about violence receive more support. We are electing representatives who know how deeply we care about these issues. We can work together to demand changes to laws and rules and social norms and to right the imbalances that have shaped our lives. Like I said, I would like to know what the original actually looked like. It did say somewhere that it was vastly different, uh, something to the effect than the original, but very curious what it looked like, aren't you? So once this went live, Johnny sued Amber and then she actually countersued. Johnny's suing for $50 million and Amber countersued for $100 million. And from this lawsuit, an ACLU staff member actually wrote an email that said so much for not mentioning JD. It does insinuate Johnny Depp, in my opinion, especially Amber wanting to put these pieces about Johnny Depp. But she's saying she didn't. I'll get to that in a minute. But in court, it did say that Johnny lost $43 million in revenue from December 2018 to October 2020, and he didn't do movies in that said time. Now, there was also an expert on there, and they talked about Google Trends and said that Johnny's name prior to this op-ed and after uh, was very different. And after the op-ed, it was negative towards Johnny Depp. Now here's what Amber said in a social media post just prior to court starting um, back in April. It says, I'm going to go offline for the next several weeks. As you may know, I'll be in Virginia where I face my ex-husband Johnny Depp in court. Johnny is suing me for an op-ed I wrote in the Washington Post in which I recounted my experience of violence and domestic abuse. I never named him. Rather, I wrote about the price women pay for speaking out against men in power. I continue to pay that price, but hopefully when this case concludes, I can move on and so can Johnny. I have always maintained a love for Johnny and it brings me great pain to have to live out the details of our past life together in front of the world. At this time, I recognize the ongoing support I've been fortunate to receive throughout these years and in these coming weeks, I will be leaning on it more than ever. Johnny's lawyer said that this article is a clear implication that Mr. Depp is a domestic abuser, which is categorically and demonstrably false. And Amber countersued for that 100 million that I mentioned for nuisance and immunity from these allegations. So Amber is in court this week and she should be finished today from my understanding. I have to catch up on that. I know what I'll be doing this weekend. What makes you most intrigued about this case? What do you wonder or what do you want to know more about? Where do you want to deep dive? Let me know below. As I said earlier, I think this case shows clear clear indications of dysfunctional relationship and there have been quite a few discrepancies let's just say so far i want to see the whole thing before i form a complete opinion but it is very interesting to watch and i think that this will be almost an example from both sides about domestic violence and domestic abuse what do you think here's what you can watch next please subscribe if you haven't done so already Please like and don't forget to share.
Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. Now, Amber was announced as an ass, an a, as an ass. <laughs> Education Secretary Betsy D. DeVos. Oh, hopefully I said that right. 